Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and try to find a silver lining. And uh, I think I think this might be the least maligned movie that we've watched so far. Well, like it's, it's it's decidedly middle of the pack compared it, as movies go. As movies go. Now, as far as Marvel Cinematic Universe movies go, this oh, it's, is it's a turd. The, it's the most maligned. I I've seen this movie end up on a lot of like usually people rank this last on if they rank all the MCU movies. Yeah, that's that it usually comes at or near the bottom. Yeah, which I still, without having recently rewatched it and having recently rewatched this, I still feel like the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk movie is worse. But yeah, it there it's it's close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's you know it's this is one of those movies too that is I think made substantially worse by uh, the other movies featuring the character Thor that exist. Yeah. Um, because I think, including the the first Thor movie, the Kenneth Branagh uh, Dutch angle extravaganza that was Thor, uh, and then, you know, Thor Ragnarok with Taika Waititi directing, and then the Avengers movies, like it really this one like it makes this one even worse. Yeah, no, I I would totally agree with that. It and it, it's funny because I feel like the MCU in general struggled. They had a sophomore slump. That I think is evident in really like Captain America avoided it, but all the yeah. other like franchises kind of just they didn't really know what to do with the second movie. Like Iron Man 2 is a mess. Uh, still better than Iron Man 3. It is still better than Iron Man 3. I, You and I like will will stay on that hill forever, but I, I know yeah. they're the Iron Man 3 stands and I do not understand them because I, I don't, don't get it either. I don't like that movie. And I like Shane Black, but that's a different conversation that we don't. Yeah, that's need to, a different one. Uh, but <laughs> maybe in a few years we'll talk about. Uh, oh, man. We'll talk about Iron Man 3. Who that's knows? another one. We've done all the other movies. Well, that's one, too. If, uh, you know, if people enjoyed our like behind the scenes chat about uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, we can talk about <laughs> why that is narratively such a mess because of behind the scenes things. But again. Not why we're here today. That right. is a tangent. We are here to talk about Thor, the Dark World, the uh, completely mediocre <laughs> follow-up. Uh, utterly in every way, meh movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I, I think we should... Sorry, I, I want to take a minute to acknowledge something that I think we do need to acknowledge, which is this is... I meant to figure this out ahead of time. This is episode 10, I 10? believe. This is yeah. episode 10, and it is the fourth movie that has Natalie Portman in it. And I don't know why that keeps happening, but... 
Well, because we did Star Wars. <laughs> no, it's because we did the Star Wars prequels. But 40% <laughs> of our movies have had Natalie Portman in it. And so I want to say, for the record, that I love Natalie Portman. I think that she is a great actor. I overall enjoy her career. We are happening to focus on uh, the really dull, like dark spots on it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like the prequels, this is a movie that utterly misuses and takes for granted the fact that Natalie Portman is cast in it. Yeah, her and everyone else in the cast. Well, yeah, it's it's not <laughs> it's not her specifically. And I will say, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I'm excited for the prospect of a Taika Waititi directed and written uh, Thor movie where Natalie Portman is in it. And in fact, you know, spoilers for the world if you haven't read this, but she's going to be Thor to reflect the comics. Uh, in the next Thor movie. So excited for that for sure. Called Love and Thunder. Called Love and Thunder. So hopefully she will be interesting in that movie and we will never talk about it on this show because it'll be too good to talk about. That's fingers crossed here for <laughs> for that. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's talk about this movie. So Thor The Dark World, uh, part of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The worst phase, in my humble opinion. No, like I said, sophomore slump, for sure. Like, Marvel came out really strong out of the gate and got us all excited. They made the... This takes place after, obviously, the, the first Avengers movie, which was the end of phase one. Mm-hmm. And that movie was great and great. used Thor and Loki, the, the two <laughs> central characters in this movie, really well. Uh, and they were really great. Uh, and then, yeah, we went to phase two because, I mean, in, in fairness to Marvel, like we we misremember the history now because they're so good that we like to think that they were always good. But uh, they really, I don't think, planned much past the first Avengers movie, if they're being honest. I think they wanted to do the Infinity Saga and they were kind of loosely teasing that. But I don't really think they had it wasn't like a concrete plan. No. And uh, Avengers. Age of Ultron feels in no way like a culmination of a of a phase the way the other Avengers movies feel like. Avengers Age of Ultron feels like a movie we could be doing on this show right now. We could talk about <laughs> Avengers Age of Ultron on this show. It is justifiably maligned, but not without... And this movie's also not without its silver linings. We'll get there, mm-hmm. I assume, oh, through uh, the yeah. course of, of discussing it and breaking it down. Hey, we've said it before. We're undefeated on finding silver linings, and I, yeah. I don't think this will be the week that bests us. So no, this is not. This is not gonna. We're not gonna get defeated by Alan Taylor's Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> um, so I was reading a little bit up on this, and you know, when we talked about uh, the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, that movie was maligned, and there was issues. And we just mentioned earlier in the podcast in this episode uh, the problems with uh, Iron Man three. Uh, Alan Taylor said that the movie that was put out in theaters is not the movie that he thought he made. Oh, no. That um, he's like, it's a movie. Uh, I I remember enjoying the movie that I made a lot more than I remember enjoying the one. He said it, it, that post-production, uh, you know, really sort of took the movie away from him in a lot of ways. He said he felt like he had a lot of creative freedom on set um, to do the things that he wanted to do. And uh, when the movie was brought to the screen it had uh, things had changed significantly from what he had thought so uh hashtag alan taylor cut maybe. yeah 
that's what we're really here for. We're here to petition Disney Plus <laughs> to spend tens of millions of dollars uh, to complete his film the way that it was meant to be seen. Uh, did he elaborate? Like, do we know what his vision I, I, I was? I honestly didn't go too far down the rabbit hole, but I think it... Um, yeah, it's it's just that he's like, you know, the, the plot beats are there, but he said like that the ways that he'd gotten to some of the things are a little different and that, it, you know, more and then a f- more dropping stuff and having it disappear, I think. Was, yeah, that's that's, that's that was that, there, that scene was three hours long. <laughs> it just it got really manic. And towards the end, it was just Kat Denning going like, what else we got? And then like one of the kids would run in and be like, watermelon. And then they drop a watermelon. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it turns into Gallagher standoff. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie like so the basic plot. I guess we usually kind of go through that, mm-hmm. and then and then start talking about the things that are good about it. Um, the basic plot of this movie is that uh, there are these dark elves played by uh, the lead Malekith is played by Christopher Eccleston, mm-hmm. uh, and all reports are that he did not enjoy playing that role. Well, and and I don't think I don't think he's ever enjoyed a role he's ever played. No, Eccleston, <laughs> who's <laughs> perhaps most well known for doing one season of Doctor Who and then peacing out and never returning to that universe again because he hated it so much. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's truly brilliant in The Leftovers, by the way. Uh, oh, he's great in The Leftovers. Yeah, probably hated uh, he that. He also played Destro in the G.I. Joe movies. Yeah, but this is like this movie. And hated those. Yeah. Just, those are movies we could for sure do. But Oh God, um, yeah. I, I kinda like the one uh where the you know Cobra becomes president like this. Yeah. Uh but, anyways, um, but yeah, Chris Eccleston plays Malekith the Accursed. But also, if you even if you know who Christopher Eccleston is, if you weren't told that, he, there's no reason to recognize him. He's like got so much like face, you know, I don't know if his makeup or prosthesis or whatever, but like his face is covered the whole movie. His voice is modulated. Like he doesn't look or sound. You can you can if you know who he is, you can hear his voice when he's speaking English. Yeah, but, but it's it's pretty like well, I guess it's just one of those things where it's like I, I'm kind of with him in that, like, literally probably anyone could just be put into that role. Like, there's nothing... 100%. You know, it's it's a cookie-cutter kind of role that, you know, the the look and, you know, whatever is doing the heavy lifting. Not that there's a lot of heavy lifting, because it's not a character. Right. Or you could have dialed back the CGI and prosthesis and let him, I don't know, act? What? That doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right. As soon as I said it, it sounded weird. But anyways... Um, they're leading to an event called the Convergence where all of the nine realms uh, overlap, even though it's sort of established that they're planets and not dimensions, and it's it's all fuzzy. Uh, yeah. But either way, they overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're connected by the Bifrost, yeah. they still overlap. Don't think about it too much. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've already thought about it too much, and uh, I fully expect when I take my headphones off that there's going to be blood in them. So, <laughs> you know, uh, that's, that's sort of where we're at with that. But anyways... Um, the only person who can stop it is Thor and he does. That's yeah. the plot. That is a plot. Also, uh, the ether, uh, it, oh, right. B- the ether possesses Jane Foster. It, it, something's Jane Foster. <laughs> like she, actually, she shows- you know what? You want a good synopsis of this movie? Go watch the scene in Avengers Endgame where Thor tells us, tells everyone about the ether. And that's the plot of the movie. 
Yeah. Like that's that 38 second clip is better than this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you like know, the dark elves, ooh. No, honestly, Endgame does that, like that would be a cop out to say that Endgame is the silver lining to this movie, but yes, it is. It would be. Because them openly mocking this movie in Endgame, but also it's really funny because I remember when I watched Endgame that one I was surprised that they in their victory lap where they were like hitting all these touchstones that they bothered to come to <laughs> this movie. But I had that then where I was like, this kind of makes me want to rewatch Thor The Dark World, which I had only ever seen in the theater. And I remembered being like, eh. But I was like, I don't know. I kind of want to rewatch it. And so now I didn't. Spoiler. But I watched it now (laughs) for this podcast and watching it because I really was like, I wonder where that scene fits in with him and his mom. And it's a open question mark as to what like obviously it's before certain things happen in this movie at like there's a there's a sweet spot of time where it can take place which is you know the when they first get to asgard but like right it's not there's nothing in the movie that like aligns with your like oh it took place between this scene and this scene it just took place outside of this movie within the timeline of this movie essentially where like other ones they sort of were like well you're gonna want to see the Avengers on the street in New York, like fighting Loki, right? From, you know, like that kind of stuff. This one, they were just like, "eh, we'll just put it in Asgard and we'll have him talk to his mom, and like it doesn't and we'll matter." See Natalie Portman walk by in the background, and yeah, so like it's you know completely uh, superfluous, like in that way. Also, yeah, like to Thor's speech, there there is the whole thing with like they kind of just essentially throw out anything that is established in this movie as to what the ether is compared to, cause it's it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the reality stone, right? Like, isn't that, yes. yeah. Which is, you wouldn't get that from this movie. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. And they do, they call it the reality stone at, at various points, including the uh, James Gunn directed post credit scene. Yeah. Where they give the stone to, uh, the, the collector, collector played by Benicio del Toro. Yeah, which again feels like a cop out to say that that's the silver lining of this movie. But that scene's really wonderful. <laughs> it's delightful. Yeah. Um. And the the other sort of jokey post credit scene when the giant like demon monster thing is sort of traipsing around that London construction yard that, at the very end. That's so weird, by the way, because there is that which is fine and it is a neat uh credit scene. But they that's. Also, there's two scenes that we get back to back in that. And one is Thor coming back to Jane. And then right. the other one is, you know, the the monster. And I it kind of made me wonder. I don't know if originally, like, the Thor and Jane thing was going to be the, like, mid-credit scene. And then the monster was going to be the end credit. And they were just like, eh, we'll just use them both. But it, it did feel like they couldn't decide which one to use. <laughs> And so yeah. they just, just had both of them back to back. But I, I watched it and I, I was like, why, why are these together? Like, this is a really weird pairing to end with these two scenes that are totally completely different and like just are two different, like one's an actual epilogue to the story and the other is just a silly thing. But you're like, no, give them both. Everyone's like, hey, remember that monster that we yada yada away? Anyway, it's murdering people and no one's stopping it. So. I think that I think there's actually an episode of Agents of Shield about that. Sure. I can't tell it's you a good that there show. isn't. I I could not get into Agents of Shield. I really tried and I got very it's, bored with it. Yeah, it's when they decide that like, you know what? 
let's just do our own thing and not be tied to the Marvel Universe. It gets a little better. That makes sense. And there's some cool arcs, but uh, the first couple of seasons, when they're not really sure what they are as a show, it's, it's a little boring. Didn't really do them any favors either in that the Marvel Cinematic Universe decided to disband S.H.I.E.L.D. at some point while that show right. was right. <laughs> <laughs> I can just picture uh, Jed Whedon on the phone being like, wait, what? You're doing... You know the name uh... of the show, right? Like, you guys are aware of what we called the show, right? It's like, we're so we're going to have to change the entire second? Great. All right. Cool. Um, anyways, uh, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that you could cop out as silver linings for Thor, the dark world. Hey, uh, Hey, we visually. don't need to, well, Hey, we don't need to get there yet. We're still early in the oh, show. We're still talking about the movie. We can still trash yeah. this movie if we want. If there's, <laughs> oh, let's see. Yeah. Let's, let's still throw that. Let's still throw this movie under the bus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because um, I, I we're, we'll get to those silver linings. They're there, but you know, yeah, the MCU true. needs to take a few hits. I feel like, cause I love them. They're fantastic, but like, let's, you know, let's, let's take them down a few pegs. You know, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's. So here's a, here's a thing that's definitely not a silver lining is that, uh, Marcus and McFeely are credited as writers on this movie that wrote, uh, Endgame and, uh, Infinity War. And this isn't good. Yeah, that's kind of baffling to me because they write Thor better than this in those movies. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I, yeah, I'm very, I'm very skeptical of that. I don't know what happened there. Like, yeah, I mean, this movie has a million credited red, credited writers, but yeah, it's, uh, so Christopher Yost, Christopher Marcus, Stephen McFeely, and then a bunch of story buys for various comic book writers and things. But so you can really say that uh, Christopher Yost, Christopher Marcus, and Stephen McFeely would be the screenplay writers. Right. They have the screen, screenplay credits. And they were the and, they were the last ones listed were Marcus and Ophelia. So presumably, I mean, I'm guessing, but like, I'm guessing maybe they did a pass on the script after <laughs> the original script. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I'd be curious what their contribution is uh, and what the script was before. Because the script is like the story is nothing. Like that's the thing is it's it's simultaneously boring because there's a lot of information that you need to know, and also just like. It, there's no like payoff to like, hey, here's a bunch of here's the history of the dark elves and here's like how all this stuff works and they're mad and then they're showing up and all of that just like boils down to there's a red mist and they want it because they're mad and they want to destroy stuff. Yeah, I mean, there have been better movies made with thinner plots. Sure. You also Jaws, for example, there's a shark and we don't want it there. That's the plot of that movie. Yeah. This movie also has uh, a Loki problem uh, where I think because Loki was so popular in uh, the Avengers movie that I, I it feels to me and I don't know this for sure that like that they crammed more Loki into this story. And I honestly think they would have been better served by having less Loki or no Loki and like kind of resting him for a movie before, you know. Yeah, I think this would have been a good call to rest the game of Loki a little bit. Um, at the same time, it does sort of set up, the end sets up Loki like impersonating Odin, which is one of the inciting events for Ragnarok. 
Yeah, which is funny because I didn't remember they set that up in this movie. And I don't th- like hilariously, I don't think you need to remember that they did to because wa- to, Ragnarok, look like that movie is fantastic from start to finish and is yep. easily one of my favorite standalone Marvel movies, if not my favorite. But yeah, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to argue at that point. It's it's everything works. It's funny. It's exciting. The characters are great. It's awesome. Which I to go back to this movie, I think that that's so biggest thing is I I feel like and it's funny because with when you mentioned Marcus and McFeely, I feel like the because the first Thor movie writes Thor more as like a straight man or like a fish out of water. Like he's sort of like the jokes are like that. It's funny that he exists in our world. And right. And this movie sort of. I don't know. Thor is just bland, but like what later movies figured out is that Thor is actually really full of life and funny and charming and interesting. Like, you know, they hung out with almost like he's being played by Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, exactly. They hung out with Chris Hemsworth and and interesting. They're like, what if we let the handsome guy who's charming be handsome and charming in these movies? And then they worked better. It's crazy how that worked. But yeah, like Thor, the character feels really bland in this movie and in a way that he's so much fun later in in subsequent films. And earlier in Avengers. Earlier in Avengers and even Age of Ultron, which is not a great movie. Thor is a better character in that movie, even as his plotline is nonsensical and like a weird tangent. But like the scene where you know, they're trying to lift his hammer is actually a really fantastic Thor scene in that movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, which again pays off in Endgame. But yeah, Thor doesn't really work as a character. Jane doesn't work as a character. Kat Denning, who I thought is like way more charming in the first Thor movie, like she's just kind of in this, like she has some moments more than anyone else, but there's not really anything for her to do. I hate the, the Eric's, uh, um, What's this? Why am I? Selvig. Selvig. Like, um, I hate his everything they do with him in this movie. It's it's supposed to be fu- like this movie is not funny. I think that's a big problem is the comedy for me doesn't land. Like, it just feels by the, the only things. The one funny thing is Thor gingerly hanging up Mjolnir on the hook. Yeah. And that wasn't in the script. That was a Chris Hemsworth ad lib. See, honestly, there's probably more you cut out of this movie that he did when he was like having fun. Than... Um, there's that. I think the scene when he and Loki are walking, uh, and Loki like impersonates Chris uh, Evans, Captain America, Chris Evans. Yeah, like that scene is funny. That scene works, but that's because you have two incredibly charismatic individuals. Yeah, being incredibly charismatic. We well, also um, have yeah, you have Chris Evans playing Loki playing Captain America, which is like a fun, you know, like right. alternate take on that character. Uh no, yeah, I mean there's moments like I I don't want to yeah, like by no means do I think it's devoid of comedy. I just overall like the comedy But the way that comedy work. works in every other appearance of Thor everywhere. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't land here at all. Yeah. It, and it's just, yeah, it's not fun. It's just, you know, and, but yeah, the, the Eric stuff, like I just, I, I really didn't like that. Like any of it. I didn't like, it felt like selling out the character and not even worth it. You know, like they, they took a character that was really great in the first Thor movie and was a very integral part in Avengers. Avengers and we're just like this guy's a joke now yeah and 
and like yes being possessed by loki and everything else that happens would have some impact on your psyche sure but i don't know if that's the right no. source of combat i don't know if it would make me take my pants off and run around stonehenge you don't know that it wouldn't but i don't know that it wouldn't that's true yeah. <laughs> having never been possessed by an asgardian deity and almost destroyed planet earth uh I but, don't know that I wouldn't run naked around Stonehenge, but I also don't know that I would. See, but I know that I wouldn't. So having been through it, I do understand how I reacted. And I mostly it was just stress baking. That's what I ended up doing. <laughs> Those sourdough breads were yeah. delicious. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Just, uh, just, uh, just mwah. Yeah, that, that was Joel the Dark Rye. That's a different <laughs> chapter. That's so dumb. Oh, man. That's... Whew. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway we did it okay so that was the silver <laughs> no um yes yeah, so i none of that stuff worked for me the the plot in general is really just nothing uh even anthony hopkins who's so anthony hopkins who has my favorite ad lib ever since um we'll probably never talk about ragnarok on this show like i love that he in that movie ad libbed are you thor the god of hammers uh, which is so wonderful, but so he, good. but yeah, he, who I know like how funny he can be. Cause if you watch that movie and again, I mean, not that that character needs to be funny, but just like he has a person, he's Anthony Hopkins, like give him something to do besides I am grumpy man. Yeah. Cause even in the first one, like he's, you know, so, like when he's like, but you're not King. Like, yeah. That's, like it's great. No, when he casts him out, that's good stuff. Like, you, you, you like know. get mad. But that's the thing. I don't think he has any, like, real emotions in this movie. He's he's not given anything to play. No, like, he's a little upset that Thor brought his girlfriend home to Asgard. Yeah. But there, there's, um, but I, like, he doesn't have a want in this movie the way he had a want in everything else. Yeah. You know, nobody really has, like, people have wants, but they don't have, like, things they need. I mean, I guess Natalie Portman needs the red sludge to be taken out of her. Sure. I mean, definitely that. But yeah, and they, they don't really know, like, and I, I do feel for them a bit that it seems like they were handed this, like, you know, so because of the way the MCU works, you had a first movie that was all about their relationship. Then you had Avengers, which wasn't going to have Natalie Portman in it because, you know, they're just there's a ton of people in that movie and there wasn't really room to have her show up. I mean, if you did, it would have been for a scene or something. So then now you have this movie and you need to play that of like, so she saw him in New York, uh, be fighting aliens and is a little peeved that like he was able to do that, but she hasn't seen him, but then they don't really know what to do with that. And like, she's kind of frustrated, but you know, it's just the whole, like nobody's like real clear and the clearest arc for Thor is this idea that, you know, his dad, you know, Odin is ready for him to take over as king, but that's not an emotional arc in the movie for him. The, the movie doesn't devote any time to right. explaining why he does or doesn't want to be king. Like, he's not really wrestling with it. So at the end, he turns down the throne, but we don't even really understand why, because no thought has been given to it in the movie as to what that would mean. Or And then if you watch it, like with the rest of the MCU playing out as it played out, it almost detracts from uh, towards the end of spoilers for Endgame. But if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume you've seen it because uh, most of America, I think, did. Yeah. Um. But like when he chooses to just be an adventurer and not be king of Asgard, like 
that's just that's not an emotional decision for him. That's totally on brand. Yeah. Like that's been his choice basically since the first movie. Yeah, he's never he wanted to be it. king because he thought he was supposed to be. But then, like, in the, at the end of this movie, it's like, it's like, no, I'm just going to go around and be an adventurer. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to backpack through Europe. Uh, just take, take some a time. Gap year. Yeah, take a gap year. Take some time to just, you know, really focus on myself. Yeah, really learn about some infinity stones. <laughs> and, you know, just live my life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And... And then, you know, after at the end of Endgame, when he's like, yeah, I'm just going to not be King of Asgard and go gallivant with these weirdos, a rabbit in a tree. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, the, that seems on brand, actually. It's the Asgardians of the galaxy. <laughs> uh, um, I really want that to be the, the that's what the plot of Guardians 3 is, is really the Asgardians of the galaxy. But who knows? Yeah, no, I'm curious because with the, the you know, Taika Waititi movie, I don't know if those guys will show up. I don't know how that's going to work, but... Yeah, watching those mesh together will be interesting. Um, anything else to trash about this movie? Okay, small pet peeve, but just, I think, emblematic of, like, the movie. It was just, like, the fact that they didn't really think it through. But just, this is the kind of stuff that I'm just, like... It just speaks to a shoddiness of the filmmaking. So we open the film with Anthony Hopkins explaining the history of the Dark Elves, which is, you know, Anthony Hopkins has a great voice. Totally get it. Uh, Later in the film, when the characters discover that it's the Dark Elves, Thor says, mom used to tell me about them when I was a kid. Like she used to tell me stories about them. So why not have her narrate that? Like, yeah, because Rene Russo's delightful. Yeah, Rene Russo's delightful. Like, and why not like frame it like that? Like, ha- have her telling him. You could even have a little baby Thor if you wanted, or whatever. You had a kid that played Thor in the in the first Thor, so you could have yeah. another, find another blonde haired kid. Yeah, just have him like going to bed and being told the story. I just like the, like I said, it's it's a small nitpick, but it is the kind of thing where I'm just like, you didn't even think that through. That you're you know, it, it's an easy like layup to have her telling the story you know, as a bedtime story and then later call back to that later in the film. So I just, that was a weird choice to me. Yeah. That, that seems like a, a missed opportunity. Maybe that's the Alan Taylor, Alan Taylor cut that he had. Yeah. Rene Russo do this. And then they're like, no, we're going to have Anthony Hopkins. Which speaking of Rene Russo, I'm going to stop doing this. I swear. But the scene with Rene Russo and Thor in Endgame, I'm really glad that that does exist because it's actually a scene that feels like an emotional like closure for these two characters that does not happen in this movie. So I'm glad that yeah. they retconned one and gave her more to do uh, because that yeah. scene's great. It, it's, it's one of the more in a, in a movie full of emotionally powerful scenes. That's right up there with some of the most emotionally powerful scenes in that movie. Yeah. So, okay. So I think unless you got anything else, I think we're ready to pivot. Uh, I mean, you could like nitpick about like inconsistent rules of the different dimensions, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. But I, that's I, that's a different podcast that someone else is doing, and nah. everything that's wrong with it. Thor: The Dark World in five minutes. Like it's one of those. Like yeah, uh, but yeah. So the, all of that. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe a place to start. This is not a. This doesn't count as a silver lining. But it, but. 
the world's silver lining to this movie is that Endgame did a lot of like making it seem better than it did, and like it, it at least gave enough of a foundation <laughs> that they could pretend that it was worth calling back to in their victory lap movie. So, yeah, um, thanks for that for sure. That's there's something to that. Also, um, the hilarious explanation that we get from Thor too only works because of how dumb this movie is. So. <laughs> We got it. We got to do better. I no, no, no. Like. There's, there's more. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So there, there's. Um, again, we're we did mention the the scene not directed by the director of this film that was directed by James Gunn is good. Yeah, but that's that's just good because I have a feeling that scene didn't have a script. They just told uh, Jamie Alexander and uh, to say her line and then let Benicio Del Toro like they just filmed that at his house yeah Benicio Del Toro that was him like trying to get ready for like he was just talking as they were applying his makeup and then they had to edit out the (laughs) the the makeup makeup artist that was just him behaving as as only he can um I have this feeling that Benicio Del Toro is actually just a super normal guy he's just that good of an actor (laughs) yeah that, i mean like, that like you just hang out with him you just be like hanging out with anybody um and everyone thinks he's probably this weirdo but uh that he's just a super normal dude he's just that talented of an actor that you think that that's that everything he does seems totally earned and normal in every role he ever plays i can see yeah yeah benicio but Toro is great he's an underrated character actor honestly yeah i mean he's he's another one of those people that's like he's often the best part of whatever he's in yes yeah, I would agree with um, that. You know, he's just because he can. He has. A, he can be funny. He can be, uh, very unnerving and very terrifying. He can, you know, um, and he can play. I mean, he can play a, like a, a relatively like middle of the road straight character and do it pretty well too. But uh, this is not the Benicio del Toro praise podcast. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think like the scene, the action's great, but I feel like that's a cop out. Like the, the like the, I thought the chase scene when they're fleeing Asgard was really good. Yeah, no, I liked the when he like shoves Loki out of the the plane, you know, the spaceship yeah. into the like, I don't know, pontoon boat. I don't know exactly what. Sure, <laughs> but no, like that stuff worked pretty well. Uh, I also, I mean. Do we give this movie credit? I feel like uh, I, I haven't researched this, but it seemed to me that the clouds, when they go into uh, the end, like when they're fighting the Dark Elves, seem to very much be the exact aesthetic that Endgame used for the final battle. Like it was very much that like uh, color palette of like washed out skies. Uh, so this yeah. was kind of the test for that. It felt like the, the first yeah, time been. the visual artists were were playing around with those looks. Uh, so maybe it's possible that the Russos saw this and were like, "Do that," like because it seems like they probably went back and rewatched this movie to you know to, to figure make out how to do victory lap. Yeah. So um, so entirely possible they saw those skies and were like, "Do that." Yeah. Uh, another in in the tradition of. Indiana Jones shooting the swordsman and stuff uh, when the big rock monster in the opening scene appears and and Thor just like one punches him like that's yeah. great that was good yeah uh, I, that made me wonder too do you think Taika Waititi saw that and was like what if that guy was silly that rock <laughs> monster <laughs> yeah 
I because there I remember at the time there's speculation like was that Korg that he one shot killed or you know what but then it's like what if he was just this this really silly Maori guy <laughs> uh so definitely that that you know he he saw that and seemed to be inspired <laughs> to make the character so it, it created Korg one of the most fascinating I want a Korg and Meek like one shot adventure just like 20 minutes of them like doing a thing I'd be fine if that thing was playing Fortnite still in the apartment while Thor, like they, they don't have Thor to fight their battles for them anymore. <laughs> and it's, and since they're already paired with Disney, it's they're playing the Fortnite mission where like Palpatine speaks. <laughs> sure. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Just why not do that? Yeah. Um, I, I would watch that. Um, God, Meek is a great character in the movies and wildly different than Meek in the comic books, but he just... Ah, Thor Ragnarok's so good. Let's talk about that movie. (laughs) You know, I do like Idris Elba, who I feel like is kind of underused in his role overall. No way. Uh, He he gets to do some stuff in this movie. I enjoyed that. Uh, That, again, like, wasted. What a wasted character. Like, just all throughout... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah like there are a bunch of racist trolls that were mad that he got cast as heimdall i'm mad that he got cast as heimdall for the opposite reasons like that he had have nothing like one to of the do best actors like have him do stuff and be awesome because he's so great like why are you putting him in this uh this this other role yeah that he doesn't get to do much other than have gravitas which he is great at having gravitas he's got a lot of gravitas for sure it's just up to here the utmost of man eat yourself is great too mm-hmm. but that's like another non-silver lining i feel like every actor in this movie has done really good work somewhere mm-hmm. like really good like exceptional work and none of them do it in this movie no like even tom hiddleston is like he's not that interesting as loki no, he's coasting uh, as Loki in this movie. Um, the one of uh, one moment, I, I mean, we already talked about the walk, the the Chris Evans like transformation scene. Um, but there's one other like he has a couple of great lines, like when uh, Curse, like the evil, like the super dark elf, um, kind of looks at him and he gives just tells him like upstairs and to the left. Like that's like funny. He just tells yeah. him exactly how to get there. Um, yeah. And it's like another great moment when I think Thor says no more illusions and Loki like changes everything and it looks like he's just been trashing his cell. Yeah. Like that was a, that was a great moment. Like that was a really great moment. Um, the shot of him like throwing the thing against the ceiling is cool. And they just used that shot again in, uh, in game. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> this feels thin. Like, it feels I, really like th- this is just such it, this movie is is mediocre in literally every way is is the bottom like it's not it's not terrible it's not unwatchable it's you know it has fun moments but um and if you take it if you take it as just a movie on its own like it's okay it's yeah. fine uh when you compare it to literally everything else in the MCU yeah whew, um it's 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 real not good but we we get in Infinity Stone in this. We movie. get Infinity Stone. Um, yeah. It's the closest thing to 
some like overarching story in phase two. Cause man, phase two is just like Captain America is good. Captain America is the best phase two for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, but, but like, cause this movie's not very good. Um, I'm trying to think of what else happened in phase two. What are the other movies? Uh, I mean, uh, Winter Soldier's good. Winter Soldier's great. It's one of the better MCU movies, period. Isn't it? Um, I mean, Iron Man 3 is phase two, right? Like, <laughs> It is phase two. It's the, the yeah. first movie of phase two. Yeah. So, you, yeah. That's not very good. Yeah. Um, is Guardians in phase two? You know, I think it, it will, because that's also, yeah, I think the collector is kind of... That kind of segues in. So Guardians and the Game yeah. come out before Avengers. So that's the uh, best of <laughs> Phase 2 for sure. Yeah, so those are... But at the same... That's introducing a new thing rather than... Because the Guardians don't connect with the main story until Aven- Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War. Uh, no, but yeah, I think that is what's like... It's funny because usually it's the opposite with... Uh, superhero movies where a lot like if you look at like Batman Begins or uh, something like that a lot of times you know or even the first Spider-Man movie the Sam Raimi like usually Mm -hmm. the second one is the sweet spot like the first one's the origin story and then usually like the second one is great because like now everything's established maybe because it's so much going on and like the the what would be the second movie is actually the Avengers movies like they're what you're building to like they don't really know what to do with the the sequels to the standalone movies like that's really where they struggled yeah that could be um yeah i mean i think there's something to that that like these movies they sort of get forgotten about because they're sort of like after the first avengers i don't think anyone cared about any more standalone movies they just wanted more avengers well, again, if they're new characters, I think that they, yeah. you know, people want the standalone story that kind of introduces the new character. But right. Yeah. The the sequel and even like I love Spider-Man Homecoming and then Spider-Man Far From Home, like isn't bad. It's one of the better sequels, honestly, but it's still kind of the same thing. They yeah, got a sophomore slump. Yeah, it's. I don't know. It's because it's you would think like because. <clears throat> You could argue that with comic books, every story after they establish the character is basically chapter two because there tends not to be a ton of con- continuity. There tends to be not, you know, like yeah, they'll it's just do continued, runs. continuing adventures of the, you know, it's it's more the uh, story circle, like the Harmon story circle, mm-hmm. than it is like a true hero's journey. Yeah, where like they get to the back to the beginning a little bit different. Yeah, and maybe that changes things in a big way, or maybe it doesn't. Um, so you'd think that like that would be easy to do in movies. Like, let's just watch an adventure with these characters. Um, but I don't know, like movies kind of really need that beginning, middle and end in a lot of ways. Well, and and interestingly, you know, Captain America is the one that works the best because Captain America is a character that's allowed to, to change, you know, the, those three movies you can view as one arc of where he started and where he ends up and how like he goes from being like an agent of the government to, you know, untrusting of the government, which really is like what civil war is all about. Uh, so that's like a clear arc. And, and I think, yeah, like there's a lot of status quo and it just feels, I think maybe the stakes are difficult too, because, you know, you save the really big stakes for the, the ensemble the movies. And then, 
you know, so it's okay. But we'll do, we're we're rapidly running out of time. We got we got to do this. We we can't we got to get to this. What is the silver okay. lining? So um, Chris Hemsworth, always great. Even in, always he, great. Even when he's boring, he's like pizza. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's even bad. Chris Hemsworth is still Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, so you got Hemsworth. You got uh, fight scenes are pretty good. You know the yeah the special effects. Um, I would argue are better than the first Thor. That's probably true. I'd say that's true. Yeah. Um, I think that like the Dark Elves like were kind of, like when like the army of Dark Elves like like they're kind of a cool anonymous looking villain. I do love their yeah the look like the masks the the way their style their costumes are actually really good for the dark elves um so i i think that's i think from like a design standpoint this movie's really good Mm -hmm. um i know one of the things they tried to do is to show like a more ground level asgard a little bit and not just like the glorious place i think they did a really good job of that i will say yeah i would agree with that that like asgard feels larger in this movie a lot i think in every other appearance it tends to feel like a castle (laughs) And that's yeah. about it. Where like it feels more like a land in this movie, and I right. do enjoy that. Okay, so we got um, that. Like, yeah, and it definitely like a visual template in this movie feels like it maybe got borrowed uh, in subsequent movies. I do think that uh, Hemsworth and Natalie Portman's chemistry is still really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I buy them as caring about each other because uh, we've seen Natalie Portman have terrible chemistry with her leading man in other movies that we've talked about. So. And the other 30% of movies. That the other 30% <laughs> of the podcast that we've done. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think we have to say the setup for one of the best comedic moments in Endgame is yeah. definitely a silver lining. For that is movie. a silver... No, the, the silver lining, yeah. I Maybe that feels like a cop-out, but the fact that they did enough groundwork in this movie so that when they revisited it in in game both comedically and emotionally like did work you know so that is something you know maybe that's a little cheating uh but it's something (laughs) i mean this like it's the thing this movie's it's really middle of the road like Mm -hmm. and it's 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 connective tissue it's not it doesn't have any real highs it doesn't have any real lows yeah um but even if and this is, I think, also a testament to how good Taika Waititi is. Even if none of the other movies exist, and Thor is a trilogy un- unto itself, these three movies tell a logical point A, point B, point C with Thor. Yeah. You know, um, and this and Taika Waititi, like, he did not J.J. Abrams this movie. No. You know, even though it's not good, he's like, no, these are all, this is all stuff. This is all canon. Well, and kind of takes where Thor and Loki are emotionally and builds on that. Like, kind of does take the idea of if Thor doesn't want to lead, what would happen if, you know, his sister came back and did want to lead, you know? Right. That's the conflict is Thor, you know, having to choose to be the leader of Asgard, which is kind of immediately undercut by uh, the Infinity Saga stuff. But (laughs) at least for this three movie arc, yes, it's... The sophomore slump, but it it did bridge what happened before it to what comes after it. Uh, it, it and it's fine. It's it's totally fine. I did here's, laugh when oh, I was gonna say I laughed when Cat Denning kissed that guy too. That yeah, was, that was funny. That was good. Um, yep, that was good. Uh, here's sort of a an un- unofficial silver lining. Um, I feel better about this movie now having talked it out with you. I do too. So, yeah, you know. 
uh, I think I think if this podcast is nothing else, it's to get us to appreciate things about movies that are unappreciated. Mm-hmm. And I have a bigger appreciation of this movie now that I definitely didn't have when the credits started rolling on my TV last night. <laughs> yeah. So did we do it? I'm going to leave it to I you. Think, you- uh, I think we did it. I think we did it. I don't want to say it's the best we've ever done it, but mm. you know. I think it's the silver medal of silver linings. I think it's it not is. a gold lining for sure. It's not a gold lining. No, it is. Um, but yeah, this is a, like this is a movie that I could say reasonably that unless I decided to just watch the whole, all the Marvel movies again, would never watch again. No. Because um, there's no reason to. Nope. But having watched it and having talked about it, I'm like, yeah, there's, there's some, there's a little bit to this movie. Yeah. There's something there. You know, sometimes like Thor, the dark world, you have to realize that's the best you're going to do and you have to walk away from it. But I do want to see that Alan Taylor cut just to see what, yeah, what, what, what there was. Maybe, maybe there was a sense of fun. Yeah. Who knows? Hashtag. I mean, hashtag release the Alan Taylor cut. Hashtag release the Alan Taylor cut. (laughs) All right. We did it. Yep. And that's our, that's what's weird is that is our sign off. That's how we've ended every show is by saying, so let's just say it one more time in unison. And then that, that'll be the sign off. We released did it. it. Oh, I was <laughs> you know what? That's it. We're done. Release the Alan Taylor cut. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.